How are we doing this morning? We're doing well? Yeah. Fantastic. This is the first time I've actually preached uh, for about six or seven weeks. Haven't our preaching team been doing a fantastic job? <clears throat> Makes my life and world a whole lot simpler. Well, happy Christmas, and I'm so glad that you've come here today. Um, if this is your first time today uh, here in the room or if it's the first time that you're watching online, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. Both Anna and my wife are very humbled by those gifts that have been given to us. That was completely unexpected. And I wondered what was going on because it wasn't in the run sheet, but that's all good. But um, today uh, is a wonderful and magnificent day because it's the last Sunday before Christmas Day that we get to celebrate. And this uh, passage of Isaiah that was read to us just then by Anne and Joshua, and I think Brad was there as well, that, that passage of Scripture is such a magnificent and beautifully poetic promise of the Messiah's coming reign. You see, what we have to understand is that at that time, that Scripture that was, uh, um, uh, did I say Isaiah or Ezekiel? Isaiah, I got it right. I'm just checking if you know your scripture. Have you bought your Bibles today? Yeah, some people haven't, but that's all right. We're going to be displaying some scripture up on the screens for you. But you see, this is a beautiful poetic um, uh, description and prophetic word of the coming Messiah. And you see, we have to understand what it was, what it was expected in terms of what a Messiah is and what a Messiah actually was. You see, back then, the word Messiah was a political and military ruler. And you see, this was a significant thing because Israel at the time was in captivity. Israel at the time, uh, even at the time of uh, this scripture being written, this prophetic word, was in complete captivity. And, and they, were answer. they were looking for their superman. They were looking for their hero to come and rescue them from this situation. And you see, as the word Messiah meant that there was going to be somebody coming, little did they know that it was going to be a couple of hundred years later, a couple of generations years later, and yet when Jesus came, it almost seemed that they were completely unaware. Even though there were shepherds, even though there were angelic visitations, even though there was countless scriptures that was spoken about. You see, friends, at the moment, the difference is this, we come expectant, don't we? We come to church expectant. We are expectant for a number of different things. We're expectant to be able to worship God and lift Him up. We're expectant that uh, we can watch online and, and we can experience the presence of God on a train in an office in our bedroom or in the lounge room on the couch eating chips for breakfast. Whatever you might be doing right now, you can come expectant that Jesus is present in the room. He said He's closer than a friend. He's closer than a brother every single moment. Can I get an amen about that? You see, yearly, we often recite this Christmas, this Christmas verse, this verse at Christmas. Yet this verse also contains a reference to one of the great incomprehensible truths in the Bible. It's this word, the incarnation. And you might go, what's that? Well, what is meant by that is a child is born a son 
is given. In this scripture, that's what it says. A child is born. A son is given. Who? Who? Who is he given to? Who is this child given to? Here, it's a God would become a man. It's the incantation that God himself would become a humble man, would become a humble human being to walk the face of the earth. He would have been trained in his father's trade of being carpentry. Can you imagine Jesus as he got a splinter? thank you for this splinter that I feel this pain. What about when he was hammering and he missed and he got his thumb for the first time? Do you think he did, he did the whole thumb suck thing? You know, what would have happened? You see, Jesus experienced life like you and me. This is the most incredible thing that God did for us, is that he reduced himself from an eternal heavenly being to somebody just like you and me. Now, I know you're pretty special, but Jesus was even more specialer in heaven. And the Bible says that he came to earth, humbled himself enough to become a man just like you and me. A newborn baby would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Don't you love this new song that we sang today, written by Rose? Some of you, oh, there's a new song, was there? Okay, I didn't know that. We sang a new song and it had those words in it, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Thank you, Rose, for writing that. But we can accept that that truth, that He is a mighty God, He is an Everlasting Father. We can accept that truth by faith. But we cannot fully grasp what that meant for the second person of the Godhead to humble Himself and become a man. He left His eternal and heavenly state to be fully man. Apostle Paul describes it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. He said, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every other name. I wasn't going to talk about this, but why is it that so many people use Jesus as a byword or as a almost a swear word or an exclamation mark after it? You would hear people say, Ah, oh, Jesus Christ or Christ's sake, or, ah, Jesus, like this. They're not calling on his name. Why is it that so many people use that as a word as opposed to any other significant human being that has been on the earth? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because there is no other name higher than the name, and there is an enemy that seeks to denigrate that name and reduce that name down to a byword just a passing thing that means nothing. Let me tell you that when you call upon his name, it's not a byword. He is faithful and he comes every time. Amen? You can get excited. I'd appreciate it if you did. So over the last three weeks, we've heard about this. We've heard about Anna the prophetess. She was a person who lived a life surrendered and she was surrendered in praying for, believing it and preparing others for Jesus' arrival. She said these words, I basically, 
I can die now that I've seen this child, that I've seen this baby. At that point of time, Jesus would have been around about two years old when Joseph and Mary would have presented him to the temple. And around about that time, he, he, as he was presented at that moment, at that point, Anna the prophetess came out, saw him, and saw that the Messiah had come. We talked about Joseph. Tim did a wonderful job on speaking about Joseph, who was the earthly example of a father to Jesus. What a man. Can I just say, you know, we don't know a heck of a lot about Joseph, but we do know this. What an incredible man. What an incredible man. To take on the scorn that they, being both he and Mary, would have had, had endured from their own family about having a child out of wedlock. You see, if people didn't believe in the scripture that a virgin would give birth to a son, the son of God, then, then uh, Mary, Mary would have been seen as somebody who messed around before getting married, right? He walked 145 kilometres he walked 145 kilometres. I think that was right, wasn't it, Tim? I think I got it right. I have to go back go back to the podcast and just check that for me. But as Mary rode a donkey to be registered in their hometown, he protected his family. He made preparations for Mary only to be faced with the rejection that there was no place for them to stay. You see, it's, there was no record of an inn in Bethlehem. There is no record of a lodging place to stay. The truth of the fact is this, is that they would have turned up to family members that they would have already had there and they were utterly rejected because she was pregnant out of wedlock. Friends, Joseph was a mighty father, earthly father to Jesus. He was a mighty man, full of integrity and full of faith. Eventually, they found a place that most expectant mothers and fathers would never allow themselves to give birth in, right? You know, I'm not sure that there was particularly donkeys and, you know, nice little hay and all that sort of stuff going on. I think it was uh, a, uh, just a, uh, I think it was just a cave, a shepherd's cave that they gave birth in, but you can look up your own historical records for that. We heard about Mary. She understood what it had been prophesied. She, she, by faith, accepted what Gabriel, the messenger of heaven, gave her. She said, let it be so. As you have said, let it be so. What a strong, young woman. Many people think that church doesn't, you know, that God, you know, treats women as second rate. Let me tell you, girls, women, <laughs> God does not think of you second rate in any way, shape or form. What a mighty, strong woman. I'm even giving, getting a thumbs up from Olivia over there. Go, Olivia, that's fantastic. So today... I want, I want to bring you the truth surrounding Jesus' purpose of why he came to earth. Today, we're going to explore the scripture that tells us what Jesus is coming to do. It also tells us, um, tells us what Jesus has done while he's been here on earth. And it also tells us what Jesus is doing in our own lives. I want to introduce you with, to this story that in 1943, back in 1943, um, toward the end of the Second World War, Philip Van Doren Stern wrote a short story called The Greatest Gift. He tried to get it published to no avail. So he printed 200 copies himself and distributed them to friends and family members at Christmas time as a nice gift. One of the booklets made its way to Hollywood 
where it eventually fell into the right hands and was converted into a screenplay. The name of the project was changed to It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody remember the movie? There should be something displaying on the screen there that'll uh, give you the, uh, the film's um, poster. The film debuted in 1946 and is now a holiday cl- classic. Stern's short story was actually published a year earlier, but not as a book. It was released as a feature in Good Housekeeping magazine. Anybody old enough to remember the Good Housekeeping? Oh, Mum, yeah, good. Yeah. Yes, you are old enough to remember that. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and, but it was published in that magazine with the title, The Man Who Was Never Born. You see, this, this story is a familiar one. The story of It's a Wonderful Life or The Man Who Was Never Born is about a troubled man named George. So everybody say hi, George. Who was rescued by a theologically incorrect angel named Clarence. Anybody met a Clarence of a, who's a theologically incorrect angel? Not me. But in an effort to earn his wings, Clarence shows George how terrible life would be in Bedford Falls if he had never been born. Does anybody actually remember the movie? Has anybody in here seen it, right? Man, it's a classic. It's a classic, you should see it. I've never seen it, but it's a classic, you should see it. Though the comparison is obviously inadequate, the title of Stern's story raises an infinitely more important question when applied to the heart of Christmas. What if Jesus Christ had never been born? What if Jesus Christ had never been born? And you might be sitting here saying, well, Matt, I don't actually, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. I'm not actually sure that uh, he actually was born. You know, if, if you were to ask me, Matt, um, Matt, uh, uh, Bob, do you believe in Jesus? Then uh, I'm not sure that I believe in Jesus. And that's fine. But let me tell you this. To not believe in Jesus, that Jesus was a man that physically walked the earth, would be denying the genealogy that has been traced over generations. There is as much evidence of Jesus here on earth as Socrates, Michelangelo and Dwayne Johnson. The difference here is that many accept the scientific Western worldview that if I can't see it, I can't believe it. You know that Socrates was alive because you can read what he wrote. You know that Michelangelo was alive because you can see what he created. You know that Dwayne Johnson is alive because he makes some pretty great movies. Well, guess what? In the same way, you can experience the evidence of Socrates, Michelangelo and Johnson daily you can experience the evidence of Jesus' death, life, and resurrection every single day. And the difference is, all you have to do is say yes. The Bible says it in this way in John chapter 1, verse 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That is powerful. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Even non-Christian historians, to name Josephus, Tacitus, I'm probably getting those wrong in the pronunciation, they also write about Jesus' very existence, death, death, 
and they also write about the cover-up of his resurrection. Even the intricate details in creation tells the story of design rather than that of chance. It is by no means chance that you are a human being here today. It is by design that you don't look like a monkey. I heard the question the other day, if evolution was true, why aren't we seeing monkeys becoming men still? Well, some men act a bit like monkeys, but the difference is that we're not seeing it, right? And I'm sure there's an evolutionary explanation that still doesn't make sense to me. But what if Jesus was never born? Our lives would become very, very, very different. The only way that we would have an eternal life with Father God would be to follow the Jewish lifestyle that the Old Testament speaks about, of continual animal sacrifice, continually going to the temple and continually giving in such a way of a religious act. The truth is, Jesus was born to Mary, lived like no other, displayed to us the example of how powerful a surrendered, to li- surrendered life to God is. Died, he died, so that we can live our lives with purpose, fullness and hope. And was raised to life again, giving the believer, every believer, an eternal purpose. So let me tell you, there is hope. Why? Because Isaiah says, Jesus was given to us. He was given to us. He was given as a gift to the earth. Why? So that the earth would be torn down, that would be living, that, that would be living in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a reduced state? Absolutely not. He was given to us. John 10.10 10 says that we would have life and life to its fullest. Now, we need to understand that life to its fullest is experiencing all of the aspects of life. Not just the good stuff, but also life brings challenges. Can anybody relate? Life has challenges. And yet, at the same time, Jesus said, I'll be with you through it all. All you have to do is say yes. Isaiah, for a child was born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. If you're struggling to get peace in this environment right now, no matter what COVID clusters are happening where, no matter what borders going on, no matter what is going on around you, the Lord says he can give you peace in the midst of all of it. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And it's the zeal. That's not a word that we often use. Zeal means the, the, the increased fervor of, the absolute tenacious see it to the end. It will be the last thing I do in, if it takes my last breath. That's what zeal is all about. And so we worship, we, or we should worship with zeal. We should worship when we come in here and, and sing our loudest and you know, build up a sweat if need be. If you have trouble doing that, just come up and stand under the lights here and join the worship team and it all happens quite naturally. But the difference is this, is that the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You see, there's an entire billions of angels around the world that are assigned to the accomplishment of this through your life. 
That's why you can have peace. <laughs> That's why you can have joy. That's why you can look to Jesus as your absolute superhero. Dwayne Johnson got nothing on Jesus. Maybe a few more tats. That's about it. All right? So he was given to us. This is so significant. He was given to us. He was, is a wonderful gift that changes the world. You see, it changes our inner world, that of our thoughts and our feelings, our emotions, our experiences, our responses and our actions. But it also changes our outer world, that of our perspectives, what we say and do and how we live. Our inner world, that which we don't let others know about. Our outer world, that's where, that is where we're comfortable in others seeing who we are. You see, the truth of it is this. The plumb line, the, this, this verse says, the, the plumb line of justice rests on him. The plumb line of justice rests on him. Let me ask you this question. If man was left to execute justice on this earth, where would the plumb line of justice be? I'm sorry that this is not a very happy Christmas message, is it? I started out that way, I promise. But it kept on going like this. I'm going, God, but it's Christmas time. Happy, happy, happy thoughts. And then it kept on going like this. But God, it's Christmas time. It's happy thoughts and joy. There's hope. Just... If you have trouble with concentrating, just concentrate on hope, okay? But what would happen if it was left up to man for justice? That plumb line of justice would go so left, 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 until justice looks very, very, very differently to Jesus' measure of justice. You see, this is the promise that Jesus was given to us for, is that the plumb line of justice rests on him. His ability to govern both our inner worlds and our outer worlds was, is resting on him. This is why we can experience peace that surpasses understanding, even though the, the Bible says, though a thousand might fall to your right and to your left, it will not come near you. Because why? Peace reigns upon our heart. Peace reigns in our inner mind. Peace reigns. That it reigns so strongly inside that it starts to reign so strongly outside. And you pass people in the street and they say, how come you can be so positive when you're facing such a terrible verdict? How can you be so positive when the doctors have said this about you? And you can just say, well, because why believe in Jesus and Jesus heals? And that's the difference. And you see, this is the reason for Christmas time, isn't it? I watched a show the other night and they said the reason for Christmas is giving. Yes, that's absolutely great and it feels good. But friends, Jesus is the reason. Right, thank you. It's a cliche, but it's true, right? He is the reason why we get together and eat heaps of turkey and all that good food and all of that. He is the reason. It's a banquet. He comes and he says, celebrate my birth celebrate the fact that I came celebrate the fact that we can come together in this free country called Australia and celebrate Christmas openly amen second thing 
For many of us, we experience, I'm talking about the kingdom in our inner world, our inner kingdom and our outer kingdom. For many of us, we experience two significant processes, our inner thoughts and feelings that we rarely show others. The other one is how we appear outwardly, our outer kingdom, the person whom we want people to see. See, the scripture speaks so powerfully about who Jesus wants to be for you. And you see, this is where Jesus is so brilliant at what he does. The Bible says he's a wonderful counsellor. And a wonderful counsellor to offer wisdom and counsel to our lives. He is the mighty God. Man, he's the Dwayne Johnson. He's the Superman that comes in to that moment. That rescuer that comes in. The God of awesome power. That's what it's talking about when it says mighty God. And I don't think any of us can fall into the trap of just going, oh yeah, mighty God. He's a mighty God. Yes, you're right, Matthew. He is a mighty God. I don't think you're quite understanding and capturing because I'm getting excited even saying it and you're not responding in any way, shape or form. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's all powerful. He's absolute power. He's absolute love. He's pressing in to seeing breakthrough for your life. If you need healing in your life, he's the one that brings that healing into your life. If you need freedom in your mind or in your emotions, he's the one that comes in and settles that score where the enemy would seek to accuse you of things. Jesus come and said, no, I paid for it all at the cross. It's all been paid for. You're set free. You're set free. You're set free. There is no more debt upon your life. There is no more sentence of death upon your life because Jesus has paid for it completely. He is a mighty God. A few weeks ago, I talked about this, that uh, we're stepping into... um, we're stepping into a season of a healing movement. I felt that God spoke to me about, it'd be about 14, maybe 15 weeks ago now that God spoke to me and, and said that MCC, and I'm not sure that I've publicly shared this yet, so I'm gonna, I'll share it now. And um, we're stepping into a, a, a season where uh, God is establishing a healing movement through Manningham Christian Centre. Think about that for a minute. So the difference is this, is that we're going to see the display of miracles, not just in our services, but in our homes, in the streets, and in shopping centres, and all sorts of areas, hospitals, right? God is establishing this. Now think about it. How many churches do you step into now and see the miraculous display of God's mighty power? Not enough is the answer. Not enough is the answer. And this is why I say, when the Bible says that he's a mighty God, do we believe that? Do we embrace that and say, yes, he is a mighty God. He created the heavens and the earth. He established the stars. How amazing is it going to be that on Monday night, there's going to be a, what they're calling a Christmas star, of where I think Jupiter and Saturn a line up and there's going to be a Christmas star that'll appear in the sky just after sunset and it will and it, if you miss it you'll have to wait another 800 years to see it again <laughs> chances are I don't think you'll see it again but but uh, just quite a, an amazing thing around about Christmas time isn't that amazing well my God made that he designed that 
And that's minuscule compared to how special you are. That's nothing compared to how mighty he has created you because you've been created in his image. How important is that? How amazing is that? How glorious is that? So when I say he's a mighty God, you say, amen, Amen. he is a mighty God. He is moving. He is happening. He is healing. Amen. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) The problem is with um, not speaking for six or seven weeks is you completely lose track of time when you've got about seven points and you're up to point three. So I want to just finish with this and then we're going to have communion together. (coughs) Jesus is really comfortable with your choices. Let me put it this way. Jesus is really comfortable with your ability to make choices. He's so secure, he is so secure in your ability to make choices that he's given man free will to choose. And that's not to say that sometimes we make poor choices, right? I'll be the first to put both hands up and both legs up if I didn't fall over. The truth is this. God is so comfortable with our ability to make choices. But it's this. When the scripture says that the government rests upon his shoulders... Our ability to make choices, if it's void of him, if it's separate from him, our ability to make choices always airs on making the wrong one. But when we align the governance of our choices, when we align them to him, that is powerful. That is when you begin to experience the mighty working of his power. Last week we had a miraculous healing take place. Tim's leg was bruised. The doctors said that it would take over a month to heal and he couldn't move it. In the service, we prayed and his leg was completely and totally healed and restored to full movement. Okay, 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 okay. You're not quite catching it. Okay. So he's a mighty God, isn't he? And if it was your leg, would this suffice? Let me put it this way. Is God worthy of this? He's worthy of so much more, isn't he? I am of the firm belief that we cannot... We cannot expect miracles in our own life until we are prepared to celebrate the miracle of another as if it was our own. It does not surprise me that we don't see more miracles because our expectation of celebration of those are a little bit ho-hum. I'm sorry, it's keep on going like this, doesn't it? Let's focus on hope. So guess what? Last week, Tim experienced a miracle of where a bruise was completely healed that a doctor said it would take over a month 
to take place to heal. And he got full movement in the meeting. Yeah, that's better. Amen. Come on. Come on. All right. Did you feel the atmosphere change just then? I felt it change. And you see, Jesus goes, well, what did I come for? Did I come for this? And a little healing? No, he came for so much more. Friends, that's just the beginning of what we're going to see take place. And at the same time, we can't be ho-hum about it because I would never, ever want to take for granted what God is doing in an individual person's life. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. I'll skip straight to point seven. How's that? Fast-tracked. We get to live our lives partnering with Jesus in what he is doing. And he is moving. In that, in that scripture, of that Christmas scripture of Isaiah chapter 9, it says, the zeal for the zeal of the Lord's armies will accomplish it. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise that takes place. And friends, we get to partner with Jesus in what he's doing. So Jesus healed Tim and we got to partner in it. Would Tim have been healed if we didn't pray? Potentially not. But you see, this is the partnering that takes place. We say, Jesus, please heal Tim's leg. Boom. It gets healed. Amen. And I know that sometimes we've been disappointed and, you know, things haven't quite happened. Things haven't quite happened with the way that we thought that they would. And I, and I get it. I'm in that same boat too. But does that mean that we stop asking? Does that mean we stop celebrating? Does that mean that we stop, you know, just cancel Christmas because God didn't answer my prayer? No, absolutely not. We just step up and we go, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you're doing. Look, you haven't quite met my expectations, but, uh, but Jesus, I trust you completely in what you're doing because it's your justice system that my that, that I'm aligning with. It's your spirit that I'm aligning with. And what you are doing is most important, so much more important than what I'm doing. So I want to do, and I want to partner with what you're doing. Friends, if that's you, just stand up on your feet right now. We're going to pray. Jesus has dealt with all of our choices, good and bad. He dealt with all the bad ones at the cross. He knows what he's doing and we can trust him in that. He knows your inner world, the inner workings of your thoughts, your emotions. He knows that, you know, sometimes for some of us, Christmas can be a hard time. Sometimes Christmas can be hard because you have to hang around family and you don't get to choose your family, do you? trust him in it we can trust Jesus in what he is doing we can trust him because we've seen what he's done and where he's been we can know and experience the truth of his word and at the same time we can see the outworking of his hand as people's lives get healed and as we see miracles take place 
You see, Jesus is our hope. He is our future. He's dealt with our past. And He's here right now in the present. I'm gonna invite you to take out your communion. And we're gonna have communion together right now. How you doing, you all right? Jesus came to give us hope. The Bible says that uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, right now, this hope is not deferred because Jesus has come. And he's here. Jesus came to earth for this very purpose, to show us how to live. But also at the same time, he showed us that he came to die. And on the night of the Passover, he he took the bread and he said, take eat, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, the new agreement that says, you don't have to deal with all the traditions and the religious religiosity of the past. And Jesus said, all you have to do is come. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is take that little bit of faith and say, I put my trust in you. Christmas time is not celebrating Jesus as a little baby, but celebrating Him as a mighty God. So let's just give thanks. Jesus, we just thank You right now that You came, that You gave of Yourself, that You poured out Your life. You displayed what it is to live on this earth in a victorious, magnificent way. Father, thank you that you sent your son to die. But not only to die, but to raised, be raised to life again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And thank you, Jesus, that our future is secure in you. Just give him your thanks and have it in your own time. Thank you. Jesus, this this Christmas, Lord, Let relationships be restored. I just get a sense that there's going to be a new unity on family, families being restored during this Christmas time. 
often there's a reminder of past hurts and conflict and I just get a sense that there's a there's a grace on family relationships and dynamics being restored. Lord, right now, we just thank you for that right now. And we thank you, Jesus, that we can bring those things to you. Jesus, we're sorry when we've tried to work it out ourselves in the past. So right now, Jesus, we just give of those things to you. I just invite you right now, you can just say, Jesus, I give those things to you. You know, there might be some forgiveness that's needed. You just, you just say, Jesus, I forgive that person. I, I, I forgive that friend or that family member. I, I forgive them, Lord. You see, the power of forgiveness sets you free. Jesus, I thank you that you are righteous in every way. Jesus, we thank you that you came to to earth. You gave us joy, you gave us hope. Lord, that that hope is outworked in our own lives, God. In Jesus' name. We all said, amen and amen. Thanks for listening, Pastor George.